Five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast in partnership with Kidney Care UK, sharing faith, knowledge, hope, and love. Hi, and welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. My name is Dee Moore, and I am a kidney warrior. This podcast is dedicated to encourage, educate, and inspire as we explore all aspects of kidney disease, related chronic illnesses, and health. If you have any questions or ideas for topics you would like me to cover, please get in contact with me on social media using the handle Diary of a Kidney Warrior. My guest today from Coventry, England, is campaigner and dialysis patient Phoenix Hallowell. Phoenix joins me to share about the Price Out of Existence campaign, the cost of living crisis, and its impact on dialysis patients. Hi, and welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. How are you doing today, Phoenix? I'm very well, thank you. It's an absolute delight to be invited to be with you on your podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. It's an absolute honour and privilege to have you here on Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about the cost of living crisis. It has been at the centre of many news articles and reports. It has had a massive impact on millions of families across the UK. And today we're going to be focusing on how the cost of living crisis has impacted people living with chronic kidney disease. And so I know that you have been very active and even started a campaign to address the issues faced by kidney patients across the UK. So my first question is, could you tell me about your campaign? Yeah, of course. I'd be delighted to. The campaign started a while back. Basically, what had happened was I'd had a few discussions with my particular hospital trust about remuneration for my treatment at home and was sort of told, oh, that level of remuneration, that's just, that's the way it is. That's the way it's written. So I decided to do a bit of research and I got myself an energy meter and I actually found out how much my treatment was using electricity-wise per week, per month, per quarter. Did a little bit of maths and found that the remuneration came up somewhat short of what I was expecting. I was thinking, how on earth do they expect all this equipment to run for such a diminutive amount of money each quarter? So I made contact with my Kidney Care UK advocacy officer to raise the issue having found some literature online that was guidance on remuneration for kidney dialysis in the home and said, this is wrong, something's wrong. And I'd raised this, this was before the cost of living crisis. Because at the time, per quarter, it was costing me about £50 to run the equipment. And that was with the electricity at 14.7 pence per kilowatt hour, because I was on a fixed plan at the time didn't really hear a lot until the oil and the gas and the electric started getting really expensive and people's fixed term contracts were beginning to uh, expire. And I heard back from Kidney Care UK and said, sort of like, do you want to do something about it? Because I emailed them again to say, the situation is kind of getting worse. What can we do something? And I came up with a rather tabloidy style headline priced out of existence because 
in my mind, that's exactly how it felt. It hit the nail on the head and delivered the exact message I wanted it to deliver was the fact that the remuneration for treatment in the home was only guidance. It wasn't mandatory. And the fact that it was inadequate remuneration basically meant that with the cost of living crisis, I mean, personally, you've got the choice between heating and eating. And it's like, well, hold on a minute. I've got something else thrown into this as well as other dialysis patients, medical treatment. You can't go without your medical treatment. So what have you got to go without just to try and stay alive? It's like, this isn't right. I was fortunate enough to be connected with the policy director at Kidney Care UK. Her name is Fiona Loud, and she does a lot of work going down to Parliament and campaigning for the better sense of equality for dialysis patients. And together we did this Price Out of Existence campaign to highlight the fact that as a kidney dialysis patient, you are more susceptible to the cold. And obviously, if you're having to choose between eating or your dialysis treatment, then something's got to go missing. And in my case, that was the heating. It was the heating that, because we're looking at our current energy consumption, worked out what it was going to cost. And it was like, that's just unsustainable. So we're going to have to cut back. And I've been quite good. I'm quite frugal anyhow, being an ex-electrical engineer. So, but it, it was like, to quote a Spinal Tap reference, it was like shoving the volume up to 11 on the frugality, like only boiling enough water that you need at a time to make a cup or like doing a thermos to get you through the day. So you've only got to boil the kettle once, making sure everything's switched off, like even taking my daughter to school rather than trying to heat the cabin of the car. I'm fortunate enough that my car has got heated seats. So I'd put the heated seats on to save on fuel rather than try and heat the cabin. It's just crazy, crazy things to do. And even reducing the amount I eat as well. When we looked at the finances, we decided that, I mean, I'm quite old school. I remember growing up when I was a lad. And I'd be getting ready for school on a winter morning and there'd be ice on the inside of the glass of the property that I was living in. So I thought I can do old school again, should be able to get away with it. So wearing, you know, thermals, three, four T-shirts, a thick fleecy hoodie and a hat. And I even had a, a neck tube that I'd wear to keep the cold out from my neck because the temperatures during the winter in the property would drop as low as 16, 17 degrees Celsius. Oh, my goodness. So you were wearing all of that inside? Inside the house. In an oh, effort my goodness. And I was still feeling cold, permanently on the edge of being cold. And I'll be honest, the last six months have been hard work. And I don't think that the extra strain of having to sustain that lack of warmth has done my health any good. I think it's been quite detrimental to the fact where 
I think my body just got tired and engineered an excuse to get me in hospital, which it quite successfully did. I was asked while I was in the hospital, how are you finding it? Seemed an odd question. I said, well, it's actually nice to be warm. So I'm sat here and I've only got two T-shirts on and I'm comfortable. I said, which is a big difference to being at home. I mean, the only other time I'd be warm at home is if I run a hot bath, try and soak the aches and pains away. So that was it. I even invested in a new sleeping bag to try and keep warm whilst I'm on dialysis because one of the biggest problems of being on dialysis is your blood is being taken out of your body and being cleaned by a piece of medical equipment and then brought back in. Well, while it's not in your body, it's losing heat. So there are temperature settings on the machine and during the height and cold weather, the machine was maxed out. So what I was supposedly saving in not heating the property, I was then having to spend in heating the dialysate, which is the liquid component that does the cleaning of the blood. Having the gas heating on by comparison far outstrips the cost of turning the temperature of the dialysate up, but it's still an extra incurred cost because of the cold. I'm sitting here in complete shock to hear that in 2023, this is what you've been going through and so many other dialysis patients across this country have been going through. I mean, that is absolutely shocking that you're literally in a position of having to choose whether to be warm, you know, living in normal, acceptable conditions and having your treatment. I mean, that should not be the case ever for anyone. I quite agree. I'm just in shock. I consider myself to be in a privileged position because my better half works for the NHS as a midwife. So it's not just my income that's coming into the house. And the reason that I got in contact with Kidney Care UK was I thought, well, we're just about coping. But if there's people out there where potentially it's either a person on their own or both partners are disabled the numbers don't add up at the end of the day how on earth are these people going to cope it's like well somebody needs to raise their head above the parapet and bring this to people's attention and it just happened to be me sitting here in complete shock again I'm just absolutely disgusted and quite overwhelmed to hear the extent of what dialysis patients have been going through during this cost of living crisis and and continue to go through in this cost of living crisis. Going back to your point earlier, so when you were talking about the remuneration that the hospital gives and this not actually being mandatory, this is actually a voluntary thing. Do you know if that has changed? Has anything been done about that? I don't know exactly, but I am hoping Ping, and I think the best person to check with on this would be Fiona Loud, who's policy director, is that as a result of the Price Out of Existence campaign, that having highlighted this issue and actually watched it being debated in one of the halls of parliament, is that it's supposedly changed from being guidance to being mandatory. I mean, we even had discussions with the Department of Health and Social Care about this issue even they I think I vaguely remember because it's such a while ago they were like a little 
dismayed that trusts were not remunerating patients for treatment at home. And that's regardless of what the treatment is. It doesn't just cover dialysis patients. And it's quite shocking to read recently that out of all the people having a medical treatment in their own home, a third are not being remunerated at all, and a third are being remunerated incorrectly or insufficiently. And it's like, it really befuddles my brain. Because when you look at the socioeconomic impacts of such actions, it's ridiculous. You've got people that are competent and confident enough to do their treatment in the home, which has so many benefits, it is self-empowering. You've got a sense of control over your condition. You're invested in it. And naturally, if you're invested in it, you are looking for the best outcomes possible. So to pull the rug from under these people's feet seems not only barbaric, but idiotic. Because the socioeconomic impacts of these people not being able to do their treatment in their own home and having to rely on an already overburdened, overstretched, undervalued healthcare system seems ridiculous because for the simple cost of remunerating a patient appropriately for their treatment at home, for example, with a kidney dialysis patient, it's like there was a point when I was considering, well, if energy prices keep escalating at the rate they are, I am going to have to abandon having my treatment at home because it's just going to be unsustainable. I'm going to have to go back to hospital. So, I mean, I'm quite privileged that I can drive, but if I'm really ill, I don't go anywhere near a vehicle. My wife has to ferry me around. So you've got the added costs of hospital transport. You've got the staffing costs at the hospital. The costs of running the water purification plant in the hospital to make all the purified water for dialysis, the cost of the chemicals and lighting, heating, it far outstrips a simple bit of remuneration for paying somebody to do it at home and give them that sense of self-control at home. That must be cheaper because, A, you're not paying for qualified staff in the home. You've essentially got a qualified member of staff in the home, the patient, because they are invested in doing their own treatment and getting the best out of it. Powerful, powerful words. And it is so true. And one thing that I continuously advocate for is empowerment and for people to be able to do as much for themselves as they can. And, And like you just said, Phoenix, being in a position where being forced out of the home and into the hospital and then that would also impact how many times you would be able to have treatment because if you're having treatment at home, you'd be doing that five times a week, but that isn't possible in centre, is it? So that means the impact on the body is heavier as well. So there's so many psychological, physical and practical implications of people not being able to do their treatment at home. And Yourself, you you have a supportive partner. Some people are single. They don't have a person to drive them into the hospital or the means. And, and like you said, hospital transport, people can be waiting around for hours on end for 
transport because there's so few hospital transport vehicles available. The impact, it goes on and on. And, and like you said, to be running the dialysis in hospital is going to be more expensive than running it in the home. So it absolutely makes sense that people should receive the remuneration so they can continue at home for all of the reasons that you stated. I'm so glad you've just brought up what you said. As you have correctly just said, there is quite a disparity in the quality of treatment a dialysis patient can expect in centre and at home. For example, my dialysis prescription is I dialyse five times a week. I get on the machine about 10 o'clock at night, quarter to 10, and I try and get off about half seven in the morning so that I'm up and about and I can take my daughter to school. So that's, that's the better part of nine and a half hours. I mean, sometimes I'll stretch out to 10. So you're looking between 45 hours and 50 hours of dialysis treatment at home. Now, if I had to give that up and go into hospital, they might be able to squeeze me in for a four-hour session three times a week if I'm lucky. I'm basically doing that nearly in one night. And as a kidney patient yourself, you must know personally that, how do I put this? I know that when my blood is nice and clean, my head is nice and clean. When my blood is full of toxins, my head, you know, I don't feel able to focus properly. Absolutely. I feel under the weather. It actually does make me feel depressed when my treatment isn't going to plan. I, I can tell the difference when I've had a good session and when I've not had such a good session. So, I mean, to then impose upon somebody where it's like, well, you can't dial us at home because you can't afford it. And my personal fear for me is that that lack of dialysis would seriously shorten my life expectancy. I have a teenage daughter. I would love to be there when she walks down the aisle one day. But the threat of that looming over you, it really does make you wonder how long you've got left. How long you're going to be allowed to have left by somebody else dictating how long you're going to have. And it seems ridiculous. And as already pointed out, the cost of enumerating for treatment in the home is a fraction of what it must cost to give somebody treatment in the hospital. And I'm not belittling the NHS or the treatment they give at all, but compared to the treatment I get at home, I feel that the treatment in centre would not give me the blood chemistry, the really good blood chemistry results that I'm privileged to have as a home haemodialysis patient. We've talked about your priced out of existence campaign and the different issues that dialysis patients face when it comes to the cost of gas, electricity, water, the harsh reality of being in the position of choosing whether to eat or heat your home, even being in the position where people, I struggle to even get the words out that people would even consider having less treatment sessions because they simply cannot afford it. It just blows my mind that those words are even coming out of my mouth in 2023. We've talked about the remuneration 
and hopefully this has gone through, that it is no longer an optional thing, but that it is mandatory that each patient receives the numeration that they need. What I would like to talk about is what change would you like to see? There's a few changes I'd like to see. I did some research and I think it was as back as far as 2011, a lot of electric companies still had a social tariff. And it almost feels that today, when social tariffs are mentioned, it's it's like the greatest new thing, you know. Nobody's ever thought of this before. It's like, well, hold on a minute. They were finally phased out in 2011. Why? I think we must have been down to a level of social complacency that they were phased out. But things I would like to see change is for anybody that qualifies as being disabled and having medical equipment in the house, bare minimum is the removal of the 5% VAT on energy bills. Now, when it comes to energy and measurement of how much energy is used, it was recently revealed that the big six energy companies had voted for a change in how smart meters were used, that they could monitor your smart meter every half an hour which then allows them to pursue what's called surge pricing. So at peak hours, like when you're getting up to go to work or you've come home from work, you put the kettle on, it's going to cost you more to boil a cup of water than it would do at midday. And it's like, well, hold on a minute. Prime example, I know this is personally for me, my equipment is on for the better part of 16 hours a day. So the equipment's on all day. So Being charged surge pricing for having a medical equipment on just seems morally wrong. So it would be nice to see a ban on such things being done. And for smart meters in a disabled person's home and medical equipment to only report, say, a daily usage rather than a half hourly usage. I think I may have already mentioned it would be nice to see also a social fixed rate for gas and electric for people reliant upon medical equipment. Because at the end of the day, as we've already discussed, NHS trusts are remunerating patients for treatment at home. Well, surely in wheels within wheels, if there's a social rate for the electric and gas used by medical equipment in the home, then the trust's expenditure will be reduced as well. And that money can be invested in providing better care to people actually in hospital. And one thing that got me with regards to the cost of energy was the fact that the warm home discount, people on PIP or DLA were automatically excluded, if I'm correct, excluded from the warm home discount. It's like we're entering a cost of living crisis. These people potentially aren't in the best financial position in the first place. And you're now taking away another support mechanism. What do you think? I mean, the whole price tail existence campaign, somebody asked me how I felt about it. And I said, it does feel quite personal because as a disabled person, it feels like a stealth cull, you know, the long term sick and the disabled. It's morally abhorrent. So basically, to summarise quickly, because I do tend to go on a bit, 
not the at positive, all. The positive changes I would like to see made would be the removal of VAT on electricity bills for people with medical equipment in the home, an expansion of the warm home discount to automatically include people with medical equipment in the home, and essentially a social fixed rate for gas and electric or energy in general, and potentially water for people running medical equipment, because at the end of the day, wheels within wheels, that money's coming out of the trust. So if we can minimise the amount of money coming out of the trust, surely that money could be used elsewhere within the trust to provide better care. Absolutely. I've also found that having seen in the media about some people still not being remunerated at all or even correctly for their treatment in the home, it's such a privilege to be invited by you to be on this podcast so that we can get the message out there that you have every right to fight for appropriate remuneration for your medical treatment in the home. You shouldn't be having to pay for your medical treatment in the home. So hopefully with the work that was done with Kidney Care UK, you have now got a better footing to go to your trust and say, may I be remunerated properly? And hopefully they won't have a leg to stand on. I wish I'd got some references as to the actual official documentation for this so that I could signpost people to it and say, look, don't take my word for it. This is what the documentation says. It says you should be remunerated. Go get it, folks. Fight. Go get it. Thank you so much for sharing that, Phoenix, because I really, really do hope that by sharing this podcast, we are helping raise more awareness of this issue and that people do feel empowered to speak with their hospital and their health trust to have the correct remuneration because nobody anywhere should have to make the choice between heating, eating and their treatment. So I really hope that this does help to make a difference. I wanted to leave the final word with you, Phoenix. And so what final words of encouragement do you have for the listeners? As a long-term disabled person, I'm sorry, I'm going to start to well up a bit here. I am well aware of the constant fight that disabled people have to go through every day just to simply exist. My message to these people is keep up the good fight. Unite, make your voices loud. Get the message out there and fight back. Thank you so much for sharing that powerful, powerful encouragement there, Phoenix. Thank you for sharing about your campaign, the work that you are doing. Thank you so much for joining me. It's been an absolute privilege to share this time with you, Dee. Thank you so much for allowing me this time. Thank you for listening to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. And don't forget that you can contact me on social media using the handle Diary of a Kidney Warrior. Please do subscribe to the podcast and please do tell a friend. New episodes of this podcast are released every other Monday. Until next time, take care and choose to live. Diary of a Kidney Warrior, sharing faith, knowledge, hope and love.